it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Chanel in the City. I am your host, Chanel Omari, and I have a very special guest here today. She's one of my inspirations for stand-up comedy and acting and entertainment. She's a stand-up comedian. She's an actress. She is a podcast host of two of my favorite podcasts right now, Emma's mm. Bunker and Inside the Closet. Please welcome my friend, Emma Wilman, to over, the, over Zoom, not to the building, but over Zoom. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you for that intro. Of course. I, you know, I, I got into, com- so I started, I loved comedy my whole life and mm-hmm. acting, but you definitely have been one of my inspirations for stand-up comedy. And I've seen you multiple times. I appreciate times. that. Yeah. Really? So yeah, more than just the, the one time? Yeah. More I than- remember the stand. The stand was the brunch show. Yes. And then I saw you another time when you did a show in Boston. Because I was. Yeah. You lots did do of a them. Show, uh, lots of them. And I was, and it was after college. I was like 22, 23. We came back to Boston, me and my friends, because I went to Northeastern University. Right. And I forgot the exact where it was played, but I saw you and I was like, she is so special because you don't care what people mm. think of your comedy and you could tell that on stage. I feel like you're telling your jokes. Oh, interesting. Cause I do care. Oh, you do? Okay. That's yeah, I get, to know. that is, that's interesting. People have said that, but I, but I, that's interesting. Cause I actually get, I get so much anxiety about like when I try out new material, some people will be like, I'm doing all new stuff and that. But I, even, even if it was, would be like the tiniest bar show, I would still just put in like one or two new things. Like I am so conservative about that. Cause I get nervous about, I don't know, just, I, I just can't how what even, even it goes for people. Nervous. Yeah, I can't yeah. even believe you're saying you get nervous because to me, I feel like you're such a pro and as mm. much as you do it, because I, when I get on stage, I get that rush. It's like, you want to keep on doing it when sure. you can. And so I feel like yes. you've done it so much that I would think, oh, she has this damn pack. So like, talk to us about, first of all, how you got into stand-up and why you still get nervous. Because I find that really interesting. Definitely. I'm so curious where you saw me in Boston though. I wonder, I was know, it I at Northeastern? Because I did a show at Northeastern, but it, yes, but it was no, no, no. It was it was it was two shows though. I saw you at one time at we were it was on campus, right? You did something. I did two shows at Northeastern, but it couldn't have been when you were going there. Was it when you no, were you back after visiting? when I got back? When I got back visiting. That's crazy. And I think it was either at Northeastern or maybe at another at one of the not Boston, not La, not um comedy studio, not comedy Laugh Boston, not Boston. That's what I thought. Either Laugh Boston. Oh yeah, yeah, or Northeastern. But I know huh. that I saw you because I was telling my friends even, I was like, that's the kind of comic I want to be. Like, that's the kind of Appreciate you know, comedian that. I strive to be. I mean, I can't be you. Of course, no one can be anybody, but. can only yeah. be you. Yeah. No, I did two shows at Northeastern and they were so different. The first show I did, it was like, the first show was a best. I forget what it, I forget what it was, but I was co-headlining with a comedian named Ashley Gavin. And I remember that show was a really, that was really fun. And then the second one. I was co-headlining with a comedian named Ian Harvey. The first one was in some kind of auditorium setting set up for comedy. 
the second one, and I remember the second one was paying a lot of money. Like it was like the the rate went up 500% from the time I had done it before. Wow. It was booked through a different place. And I remember I was like, wow, they're, they really, this is a big budget that they've got. So I was assuming, okay, the smaller budget one was in a theater. What's this bigger budget one? Man, it was in the it was like in the quad where there the area where like the Popeyes and all the snack places are. Mm-hmm. So near the staircase, literally like in the shadow of the staircase, they set up this a mic, and the room is is not only is the room so open, the ceilings for days. There's multiple enter and exit points. Like the place was set up for enter and exit. Like it was like a transient swoop through. Oh, there was a fucking Starbucks. I know that because you could hear someone being and like an operating Starbucks, like latte, one, two, no, grande. And then they're yelling over if you're on stage and then you're trying to, I was trying to, this happened one other time where I was at a school trying to time my set around the fucking food orders because someone will be like, give me French fries. And I'm like, I'm from Maine. And then they're like, too large. And then I, it's like a disaster. So I remember that in Northeastern, I went first on that one. and. And I think there was like, maybe like not many kids there, 15, 20 kids. I think school wasn't even in session. You wouldn't have been at that one. Cause I wouldn't know. Cause there was only, there were so few kids at it. And I remember afterwards just walking around like, what the hell was that? I remember that. That, that must be hard though, to, to go up on stage and do your comedy that you worked so hard for. And then you're basing it around food orders, which is a re- reality of being a, stand-up comic like and it was you know so saying? weird because they like, were paying a lot like it was like I, they I, they were paying us each like 10 grand or something fucking it's five grand or 10 it was like one of the most it was a lot and i just remember being like what is going on why would they i mean like why would they pay us this much money for this it was it was really really crazy. strange but yeah. it is but it's a skill the fact that you're able to make people laugh around that setting like so what yeah i didn't feel good about that but one particularly but it was there was you know i think it went as good as it could have i guess how do you like so what inspires you behind Mm. writing your own jokes like do you take it based on your life and how do you know what's going to work right because sometimes i'll write something and i think i think it's funny i don't know if you're going to think it's funny i don't know if the majority or the masses are going to think it's funny so right take us through the ml woman brilliant mind so the the truth is no one ever knows if something's going to work but you can know if it's written in the stand-up language. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's certain like writing, I mean, now all of these rules, there's infinite wiggle room. Cause you could say, okay, this is the writing structure of what comedy is. These are like these 15 joke formula models and on paper, this is a joke. But then you could look at like Brian Regan, a transcript of one of his shows and Sebastian Maniscalco and on paper, you're like, oh, I don't see this as a joke. And then perform is one of the funniest things ever. So that the only thing you can really tell is if it has some semblance of something that could be funny and then you have to do it in front of people to see if you could predict that then you'd be you know you should be a stockbroker because you could probably predict all sorts of stuff right but i'd say for me writing writing got increasingly hard the more i got into comedy because i started putting more pressure on myself when i started doing it professionally so it wasn't just like i just i would always be like writing stuff for something like I'd be like, I gotta, I gotta get another, after I done late night, I was like, I gotta get another late night set and I gotta do this and I gotta make a special for this. And I wasn't, that would take me away from like the organic process of 
originally just it would be for me something I would say in conversation I, and then if someone laughed I'd go oh write that down or if some there's a few instances where someone else would say something just usually something just kind of weird or an observation and I would think if it was something interesting I would you know like there was I never was able to make this one work, but like my sister and I were out to eat and she's really sarcastic. And the server was, she was getting a salad and she was trying to decide between chicken or shrimp. And the shrimp was like 40 extra dollars from the chicken. So my sister was like, did the shrimp go to college? Like, just give me the remedial chicken then like Christ. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, that was a good that one. That is really funny. That was a good one. Did the shrimp go to college? Like, and I was like, oh, you just thought that the top. And she was like, well, like why? Like, and I was like, I was trying to like, uh, you know, I'm an hour later. I'm like, yeah, yeah, just that special egg chicken, like, <laughs> you know. But she and so I was, I would try to say that so many times. I couldn't figure out a way to, or but so sometimes I'll, I had an uncle, my uncle, I this gay uncle, and he's like, I just say he's gay to because I'm gonna do an impression of him. Uh, but he he was like, I remember one time we were having coffee, and he he goes, he's like. Oh. Why do stereotypes come true at yard sales? Like, oh my God, between gays and lesbians, you go to a gay guy's yard sale and it's fun and we have colors and we have music and it's a good time. You go to a lesbian yard sale, it's the most depressing shit I've ever seen. In my, it's just one butch woman with a crock pot like Jesus Christ. So when he said that, I was like, that's funny. I want to make a joke of that. So sometimes things like that, I'll try to write around too. Uh, that's you, you. So usually my process is something like that or just like <sighs> trying to trying to dig back into into life stuff yeah. but that you know you gotta you gotta I feel like once you're doing comedy professionally while you're living your life you start just looking at everything like what could be a joke so I have to I've had to train myself to turn that off so something can naturally happen so then I can be like oh that's weird or let me write about that totally I mean, when you say professionally, so how long, when did you know, okay, I know I want to do this professionally and I know that I have, I have a way to do it professionally. Cause as you know, mm. we know a lot of com comedians and sometimes there's a lot of people struggling every day and they can't even make, they can't make it a full-time job or they put it on hold. Like someone sure. like me has been in and out of it because you can't make money. So you go on into other avenues to make sure. Money. How did you, I'll tell you exactly yeah. how I started making money. I was doing blowjobs on the side. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, like, I like teach me because I don't yeah. know clearly how to give the right ones because I ain't going anywhere. But yes, but you know what? Sometimes that's true. Behind the scenes, you never know. Whatever floats the boat. Whatever floats the boat. But so I, um, so, so what, how I started doing professionally was okay. I was in grad school, living in New York. Now I'm from a very privileged situation. I had no debt, nothing. And can I say in a hundred percent honesty, if I had student loans or any debt, would I have been so comfortable pursuing something so unstable? I don't know. I really don't know. Like my friend was, who was my roommate for a while. She wanted to be an actress and then she got rheumatoid arthritis and she needed health insurance. She had a lot of debt and she started, she'd been working as a waitress and she's like, I need health insurance. And she got a Day job doing PR, she had health, so she got health insurance. And I remember she would just be like, I, "Oh, I, you know, you, I wasn't as brave as you." Blah, blah. And I was like, "No, let's not get it twisted. I don't know how I would have been if I was in your situation. I would have like, 
it, so I, I had that buffer, but grad school graduate. And all of a sudden that's when I was like, oh my God, how am I going to pay for my life? Like, I can't afford any of this stuff that, that is totally propped up by the fact that I was getting help because I was in grad school. What did you go to? Sorry. What'd you go to grad school for? Media studies. Oh, wow. At the new school. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a big deal. It's a big, it's hard to get. Into yeah. It was. Yeah. 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 yeah it was a good, I applied. It's hard. It's not easy to get. I was on the wait list. It's not an easy. Really? Thing. Yeah. It's not. Grad school's not at the new school is not an easy because it's not based. I don't want this to come out wrong. It's not, not based on not, grades. It's not based on grades. It's not based on bullshit. Bullshit right. your way out of it. It's literally based on you got to really write either a piece or do a comedy set that's really interesting or act on it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't. Yeah. Not that I wouldn't. Not that I haven't. I'm just. It's very hard to get into. Is what I. I wonder what I, what I don't even remember what my essay was essay about. Was. I don't. I don't remember the process for it that much. But I went after I graduated grad school and I was like, I can't, I was just doing like open mics, bar shows, a feature spot here and there, not making any money at comedy. So I was like, I can't afford to live in, how am I going to live in New York? And I was doing open mics all the time. So I'm like, how can I live in New York and keep up this pace and have a job that'll allow me to live here? So I moved back to Boston, moved in with my mom, got a job selling educational insurance, selling educational travel, wasn't good at it. Obviously I don't even know what I was selling. Um, and then I, when I, I got laid off cause I sucked after like maybe nine, 10 months. So then I was on unemployment and I was like, I'm going to go back to New York and I'm going to either try to get a job at a talent agency or I'll try to in stand up again, or just try to do something in entertainment. So I moved back to New York, I'm on unemployment and I was interning at like a production company that definitely doesn't exist anymore. And, um, then I tried, I tried getting a job at a talent agency and I never heard back from them. And then I was like, all right. And I went to an open mic. I remember that. And there's a comedian named Mike Brown who ran into me and he was like, oh, I'm going to open mic. And I was like, Mike, I actually stopped doing comedy. He was like, oh, just come with me. And I remember going to that mic. And when I wasn't doing comedy, it gave me perspective. I was like, this is so fucking nuts. Like I was, he was like, you want to get up? I'm like, no, no. Why would I get up for Three people, like, this is, like, so, humi- I, I don't have it. I didn't have those blinders on that you have when you've got that, like, high or, of wanting to do a joke or something goes good, you want to keep it going, something goes bad, you want to fix it. Didn't, I wasn't tapped into that, so I was like, nah. And then, and then I did do some open mic somewhere, and I, oh, God, where the hell was it? It was at Broadway Comedy Club, and then I started getting the bug again. But I, I was back, not even a year. And I got an email from this guy, Andy Engel, who I had interned for, and he didn't know I had taken a year off. And I remember even when I took that year off, I still wrote like holiday cards to people, anyone I knew in the business, which I haven't done now in years, but I'm just kind of trying very to- Very smart though, very smart. Yeah, it's a good networking thing for sure. And I like writing a holiday card. Holiday card always, of course, like full respect. No fucking, none of this manby pamby one religion holiday card. Get the fuck out of here. Even though I guess, it's, you know, if you're saying I celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you, or what I celebrate Hanukkah, because I'm wishing, but, you know. Yeah. So he hits me up. He's like, he doesn't know I'm taking the year off. He goes, you want to do a showcase for this thing called Access TV? And I said, yes. And normally you had to, like, bring a bunch of people, but because I'd interned for him, didn't make me do that. So I do the showcase, and then they say, and I just did, like, the same six minutes that I had been doing before I stopped. 
And then they were like, do you want to, you can do it. So I got it. So then I did the access taping. It goes great. Like that was like, goes great. I meet Louis Anderson there. He was really cool. And then I got the tape and I wrote to Andy. I said, I think I want to get a college agent. He goes, talk to this guy. He works with Jimmy Fallon. And so I write this guy and he's like, yeah, I'm in. The guy doesn't ask me any questions. He's like, let's do it. So I was like, that was easy. So I'm like, wait, wait, I'm going to reach out to other college agents. So I reach out to another one and he's like, I don't know, you're kind of dirty. How much time do you have? And so I said, I was like, well, I got 10 minutes. And he was like, listen, you have to have an hour to do colleges. Call me when you have an hour that's super clean. I was like, oh, reach out to another person. They're like, how much time do you have? I was like, I got 10 minutes. And they're like, you need an hour. Every person said that. So then I just circle back to the first guy who never asked how much time I had. I was like, let's do it. And then he submitted me to the college. He started getting me colleges right away. And then he, which paid well. And then he started submitting me to these like college showcases. And that first year I got into like seven of them. I've never gotten into more than one since that first year. That first year, I don't know what the fuck. It was like first year. And I remember seeing all those agents that had been like, how much time do you have? I saw, I remember the first NAC I went to. I was like, hi, hi, I'm a nice to meet you in person. They're like, oh, you, you got into a knack? I'm like, got into six, so I'll be seeing you all season. And I just didn't know how weird that was. Now I've seen other people sometimes the first time you get into a bunch of them. But every, every time since then I haven't, I'll get into like one maybe. If I stop submitting for them. But then I booked a bunch of schools in the Midwest and the South. That's where I like had good sets. So I was like doing every college in Kansas and all over the South. I, like I was doing schools all over the South and that's when I started doing it professionally. And then once I had that income from it, that's when I reached out to a manager and was like, I've got this going on. Any interest? And that's how I got started getting representation. Hey guys, I'd like to take a moment to shout out our sponsor for this episode, the Garden City Hotel. I am obsessed with them. This is one of my favorite hotels in the world, uh, let alone on Long Island. Uh, they are located at 45 7th Street in Garden City. It is close to everything on Long Island, everything in the city, everything to Brooklyn. It is close to all the five boroughs. It's amazing. I love the Garden City Hotel. First of all, the rooms are beautiful. I am staying at the Deluxe Suite. You can check out all the photos and videos on my Instagram story and Instagram timeline. It is beautiful. I literally feel like I'm living in a penthouse suite in Manhattan. Um, it's like a one bedroom. The prices are amazing. Right now you get to experience what I'm experiencing, which is the Rest Easy Package. It's a special rooms promotion um, and it's based on availability. So you got to directly book from the website gardencityhotel.com slash promotions. It includes a $50 uh, FNB credit, which is amazing. The hotel is basically awarded AAA Best of Housekeeping 2020 because of COVID, post-COVID. They are strict on all the cleansiness here. They're cleaning the rooms every three days. They're amazing. They have hand sanitizer on each floor. They're giving out gloves. I mean, you name it, it's amazing. They also have a $50 food and beverage credit included in this package deal. A sleep in with a late checkout at 12 p.m. and facility service waived, which is valued at $25. Hotel also includes dining, the patio bar, which is open Wednesday to Sunday for summer cocktails and bites. It's incredible. You can sit out there and relax, have a drink with your friends. Then the King Bar, which is awesome by David Burke, open Thursday to Saturday 
for shareable plates, dinners, and drinks, you can visit thegardencityhotel.com slash dining. I had the best burrata there. They had the most amazing burrata, the pasta, and the Caesar salad. Mm, incredible melt in your mouth. I just love it. And socially, you know, everyone is saying they're bored. Restaurants in the city are closed at a certain hour, whereas the Garden City Hotel, the David Burke Kitchen, what a great vibe. You get to socialize, of course, social distancing and with your mask six feet away. But there's people here. It, there's a livelihood here. And that's what I love about the Garden City Hotel. And the staff is incredible. You know, even with limited staff, they are on top of everything. They know how to take care of your needs. They are 24-7 available for your needs. Um, and they're just amazing. So make sure you visit the Garden City Hotel doc for your next reservation. And shout out to the director of sales and marketing, who we love, Carol Diaz, who's been incredible in evolving the marketing program here at the Garden City Hotel and just been incredible uh, with the hospitality and service needs for all the customers and clients here. We want to give a big shout out to Carol Diaz. Make sure you follow at Garden City Hotel for more info and visit GardenCityHotel.com and get your rest easy package. Now back to the podcast. Wow. And so, because I've heard too, like a lot of successful comedians start with college tours. Like you mm -hmm. can never think you're above it. I never thought that. I thought, oh, you become big and then you do the college tours because you're already known, but it's actually the opposite so that you can actually get known, correct? Like, because well, there's known. It's very hard to be known. And yeah. I'm like struggling it is. to do myself. It's very like, hard. Very hard. Very hard. For the colleges, I think that there's both of those ways are, it would just be very different experiences each way. So if you got really, like, I remember I did this college and the student, he showed me where he was like, oh, we had this girl from SNL, but it wasn't a comedian. He was like, she just gave a talk and she was, he was like, he was like, you were so much cheaper. I think it was like $1,000 or $1,200 or something. And, you know, after you pay everybody out of that, like it's a, but he was like, yeah, you were $1,200. And, you know, actually your show was better because she had never done comedy before. And she was like 60 grand. And I was like, don't tell me that. Right. So if you're famous and then you swoop back through and do colleges, I mean, it couldn't have been 60 grand because I know Amy Schumer like the most, but it's like you, they're making shit tons of money. But if you do it, on the other polar opposite end of the spectrum and you're coming up, it's a way to get more, you know, you get the time being up there, you get and start doing comedy professionally, you're traveling. Like it was a good, that was a good, that was definitely a good experience. Do you feel like, I mean, have you ever had obstacles on the way? Like you said, some of the agents were like, well, call me when you have an hour. Like sure. I know I've experienced some bullying behind the scenes of girls being like, you're never going to make it. You didn't put in the time like we did, which is none of any, I feel personally, it's none of anyone's business. How much, cause no one knows how many open mics you're going to cause they're not sure. broadcasted. Nobody knows how many regular shows you're doing. Cause I've done regular shows and people were shocked. Have you ever right. encountered bullying? I know Nikki Glazer has mentioned she had a female comic tell her that she'll never make it and that she can't really? show up at the same. Yeah. She said, um, it was months ago. She had said on an interview, I've got which or a podcast, that she had a female comic say that she will never make it in, like she can't even go to like the comedy clubs that she can perform. I've experienced that ah. myself too. I've experienced that myself too with other comics, but it's very really behind, yeah that have told me like literally like I'm not funny and I'll never be funny, and that how dare me go to the try to perform at the same comedy clubs as them, which to me is just. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back. 
along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. And they say it like that because yeah. sometimes someone will say something and then I'll kind of interpret it in a little bit of a skew. But so they'll You're say. Right. So I, I feel like I have it also like I'll interpret it. Yeah. Differently. So I try to like. Like someone will be it. like, you have good energy. I'm like, oh, what? You think I'm a bad writer? They'll be like, You're a good writer. I'm like, oh, you think I suck as a performer? So that can be no, tricky. No, but it, I thought it was that. But no, it's someone who's literally said to my face. So like, how huh. do you, have you ever had that? Like, how do you, because I feel like you deal with things so gracefully, like you don't get angry. Like you make a joke out of it. You're like, okay, buddy, I'll see you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how do you do that? I mean, I talk a lot of shit to whoever I'm in a relationship with. Like they are you usually someone I'm in a relationship with is like, you gotta be more positive. And I'm like, all right, all right, but fucking all right. Um and definitely, I mean, when things yeah, I I don't I can't say I've necessarily been uh, no, I have not actually been bullied by comedians. I remember there's definitely certain people. You know, like there was this one girl, I remember when I very first started out in New York, where I used to do this show and you need one way to get stage time is you need to bark where you literally are like passing out flyers, come to the comedy show. And so I would do that. And she was someone who would be doing a spot on the show. So in the hierarchy of stand up, that means she's a little bit of quote unquote above me. And I remember she was such a bitch and she used to call every, all the people that were barking. She'd go, are the barkers going on? She would go up. She would suck. She would walk people. She's such a bitch. And I remember thinking, like, I will never forget this. Like, you are cruel. You're you're out of the way cruel for no reason. Like, you bitch. And she wasn't that talented. She still isn't. She's a hustler, though. She actually is a famous person now. And I've met people that are always like, oh, I love her. And uh, she doesn't do so much comedy anymore. Not that she ever did. Okay. But so... I remember that. And then I, then it was like three or four years later, time out New York did a thing on different female comedians and we all got our picture taken. So she was a part of that. I was a part of that. And I remember running into her at a bar show and there was only a couple people at it. She was like, Ugh, I'm just leaving. Like, we don't need to do this anymore. Like she was trying to be like buddy, buddy. And I was like, I just kind of was like, all right, see so you you know, I wasn't nice to her kind of wish I had been because, uh, you know, then years later, I I kind of wish I had been a little bit. It's always better to just kind. No matter how you nice. feel about someone, it's better to just poker face one hundred percent of the time. Even if they were shitty to you, because who knows? Maybe she, maybe someone had done that to her, and who, who knows? You know? Because also, it's like, oh great, I got that moment of being like, yeah, I'm not coming around to be nice when you. I've seen you be such a bitch to people, but then also at the same time, I can't give away what how that kind of bit me in the throat, but. It, that kind of, you know, that didn't serve me well in the end. Right. 
Right. That's good advice though. Like I do agree with you where I've gone to the levels where I've pushed the boundaries and it's not necessary because you can always prove it in the fact that you're getting either a Netflix special or you're on the college stores. Like you said, like, I think that's a better play, right? Right. Trying to to stoop to that level of someone. We don't know what they've been through. They've probably been through similar, similar people. Right. That's why they're acting that way. And you can feel, you can feel a bad energy from people. That's for sure. Like I remember in Boston when I first started going to open mics, with this friend of mine who doesn't do comedy anymore. We're not in touch, but he was a friend of mine at the time, but we would go to the open mics and it's like the people that have been there a little bit longer are going to bump you and treat you like shit. And, and then, you know, in New York, it's like you, you get there so early to sign up and then someone drops by and they bump you. But what I didn't realize at that time when I would, when those people would bump me, I didn't realize that those people had done years of what I was doing. And it's like, where you're doing the open mics and you're signing up and you're paying the $5 and you're sitting there for hours and this, this, the whole thing sucks. But I, then I was like, as I got older and it was like, okay, I could go drop in and bump people. You know, there's a way to do it, but I would be like, I usually go in, I'd stay for one person before me, one person after me, but also I'd be like, okay, I need to go. Cause I've got stuff I got to get to, which at the time I was just thinking like, ah, fuck these people, they're being rude. But the truth of it is, is, I mean, I, sometimes I wouldn't think that, but then when I started, when I got to that point, I was like, okay. I got to not take things so personally too, because everyone's just trying to, you know, trying to, trying to do something that's the equivalent of, of fitting your entire body through a needle hole. Cause that's yeah. how hard it is. I think to, to push through to, to make it all happen. Totally. We touched base a little bit on your podcast about this, about how comedians, the, the name comedian is now being taken in different contexts. There's sure. people that are influenced, uh, like a Heather McMahon, which she did stand up before, but, she more prides on herself as a, you know, Instagram and, and podcaster, and she does characters. There's good this, for her. Yeah. Good for her. There's other people that have, I can name names. I just, she came to me. Sure. There's people that haven't done stand up like you have. I'm not even going to put myself in the category. I've done a lot of open mics. I've done shows, but I don't do them every week. I want to get back into it. But like you have, and other people I can name have. Does, what do you, how do you feel about that? I don't mind when people say I'm a comedian. I I don't mind, but I know a lot of people do mind. Like if someone's now, if someone says I'm a comedian to me, this isn't a saying, but I feel like just saying it all comes out in the sauce. I know that's not a saying though, but it's, it is. is It is. Okay. You know, comes out in the sauce, whatever. I don't know what the, yeah. it's like, okay. If, if someone goes to a show and someone makes them laugh, like that was funny. They're a comedian. They're not going to be like, that was a joke or that was a long story or that was a, they're not going to necessarily know the ins and outs of what's now someone doing stand-up comedy. Now that's a specific thing. So if someone's like, I'm a stand-up comedian, I'm like, Oh, you do stand-up comedy. And if they're ever like, no, I have viral videos about carrots on TikTok. I'd be like, okay, so do you do that live at a comedy club in a fashion that is in any way in the ballpark of stand-up comedy? Like, no, I just go up there and I put the carrots in my ears. I'm like, okay, so that's not a, you could be a comedian where you do comedic, funny things. I wouldn't, I think I'd be a little more like eh, protective of the word stand-up comedian. Cause I'm like, all right, but you're literally like, that would be like me being like, I'm a TikToker. I'm like, you don't have any TikTok videos. But yeah, but you know, I made the account and I put a picture of me doing a carrot in the ear. You know, it's whatever. So it's, I, if someone wants to say they're a comedian, you know, they're doing comedic stuff. So I don't, I don't feel like too like precious about the word comedian, but I do I think I would get a little irritated if like someone who had never done stand up before said they did stand up. Cause I'd be like, okay, have some respect. It is like a pretty specific. It is. 
thing. And it's hard and it's a skill. Oh, and I respect yeah, it, it so hard. much because even when I go and I'm never, I'm not a person who gets nervous or embarrassed, it's mm. nerve wracking and it's terrifying and it's, but it's so liberating and rewarding when you get through it, whether sure. you make people laugh or you don't. Right. You know, um, let's get into now my crazy ex-girlfriend, which is one of my favorite shows. Really? Yeah. I love it. You know, fun she show. It's a fun, she has my life. She's Jewish and she was obsessed with a Filipino guy. That's my ex-boyfriend. Really? Yeah, who I like talked to. It was like when she did that story, it was like, hmm, I thought I was the only one who like dated a Filipino guy and was obsessed with him. And no, but it's a great story. She's a a great actress. Talk to us about, and you're great in it. You're amazing in it. I love your character. Had you heard of the woman who played her mother, Tova? No, I had not until, not until I saw the show. She's from New York. She's a Broadway actor. Tova Silverman, I think. Oh, I should know. But she's so, like, she's like a Broadway actress. But did you see the episode where it was her and her mom? Oh, my God. What was the song? It was one of my, I mean, obviously they did a few, but there was one where it was like, oh, shit. I can't, I can picture it, but I can't. There's one where her and her mom, her mom wants her to be a lawyer. Okay. And she's like singing about that or she's asking where the bathroom is or something. It's a really I good. Think, I think I saw the episode, but it was like season because there was a lot of seasons in this in this show. Four seasons. Four yeah, seasons. They, they did. They wrote four and then they did four. Um, but it, it was interesting. And I went to one of the live shows in New York when they were in New York, not the Radio City one, but I went to one of them and, you know, she went out and she said, she went, who here went to summer camp with my husband now? I get it because I went to Jewish summer camp, right? Yeah. Now, I think if you said that in, if you just plopped down in anywhere USA, they would be like, why is she asking who went to summer? Like, she, they wouldn't get, okay, it's a very Jewish thing. They go to summer camp, so who, it's a joke. Yeah. She says that in the room of people for her, pandemonium. She right. comes out, she's like, oh, I went to do, and maybe some people from the summer camp were there, actually, because it was in New York. Summer camp, the word summer camp, it was like, <sighs> I like hype through the roof with that but that I mean it the show was so funny and I couldn't believe how smart some of the humor was like some of it I'm like I only get that because my you know they made jokes like inside jokes about like Ivy Leagues and just like multi-layered like funny funny stuff yeah that was a good show I could tell you how I got on it so yeah, I um, how did you, yeah how did you get in that into that? so I had I was going on a lot of acting auditions and I was taking some acting classes but I would be going on the acting auditions and I had like a lot going on at that time. And I remember I was, I was doing this something where I like got cut from a show. I was like a talking head show and they cut me cause they were like, oh, she's not urban enough. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. I'd, I'd shot like six episodes and they're like, she's not urban enough. Yes. But they didn't tell me I got cut. I just found out when everyone else was like going to film. And I was like, what? Wait, wait. And then I ran into someone and she was like, why are you at the filming? So I was like, I think I got cut. And then they had reached out to someone who like didn't tell me. So I'm bummed about that. My acne's really flaring up. And also it was, I had just signed my contract for Taylor show on Sirius. I'm so pumped. And then that same day, you know, I talked to her. Things have changed in that front. So I was like, oh shit, this is like a bad day. And I was at this festival and this booking agent of mine at the time, she, she left to become a manager. She was so great. Her name's Tova. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We were having breakfast and she was like, okay, what can you control? You can control, you know, you're always talking about stuff with your acne. You can try to go on Accutane 
And she's like, you need to focus on, you blow off your acting auditions and you'll do them, but you say, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to. So I'm like, all right, fine. So then I went, I had this show in Halifax, New Jersey. And it was, I had to fly there on a Friday. The show's a Friday. Not Halifax, New Jersey. Halifax, Nova Scotia or Canada. But I remember it was a Friday. Now, if I had had Taylor's show, I would have gotten up really early, gotten on the flight, gotten there, napped, gone to my show. Didn't have Taylor's show. I get there. I get this audition in. And the acting agent was like, can you do it? And I'm like, no, because there's people from Taylor's show that are going to be there. I need to explain to them what's going on. He's like, all right, well, you've got all day. Why don't you try to get it in? So I was like, all right. So then I called this, my acting coach, Bill, and we like worked on it. Then the internet wasn't working. So the acting agent was like, can you just find some place with internet? I'm like, no, I gotta, he's like, you have to get it in by 8 p.m. I was like, well, no, I gotta go to the show and talk to the people for blah, blah, blah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I do the show and then he texts me like, you've got like 10 minutes. And I was like, ah. So then I get back. I find a way to like upload. You know, when you do an audition, you do a bunch of takes. I think we had done like so many takes because I had the afternoon free, which I wouldn't have. If I had done the other show, I would have napped. So we, I get one of the couple of the takes in and then the next day he's like, they want you to do another one. So we do another one and I'm like working on it all the time. Cause I had just gotten cut from something. And then they're like, we got a call back. So I go and I'm, I'm doing the call back. And then they're like, all right, now they want you to do a producer's meeting over Skype with the actress who plays Valencia. And she was so nice. Like what a class act. Gabrielle Ruiz. She's such a class act. Like wow. she was so kind you know like she you could feel we had to read together and all these people are like watching us and I just felt like she was like rooting for me in when we were doing it like she was cool as shit and that made me be like wow I want to be that if I'm ever in that situation because that's uh, for her it's like she has to come in and read with all these people you know like it's like a kind of must have been kind of grueling she was so great and then we did it and I remember I had Bill, my acting coach, his girlfriend at the time, she was a matchmaker. 
So she's walking by while him and I are Skyping. She goes, is that what Emma's going to have in the background when she does the audition? And I was like, yeah. She's like, no, no, no. You need to have like a blank wall. You've got shit everywhere. So I clean up this one corner of my apartment. And she's like, you need to have it frame your face, you know, have the, the video frame your face like this. So she, I like put like a computer on like a cereal box. I had like, I only had the right top. I didn't have the right pants on. So you could only see this one particular frame of me. And that was the frame that worked. But if you could pan out and see the rest of it, it was literally just like chaos all around me. So we did that. And then I had a college with Mateo. I was opening for him at a college. And I remember us driving down there and I was like, I've been doing all these callbacks for Crazy X. And then I got the call. I think whatever, say it was like a Sunday, I got a call like that night. They're like, you got it. You got to be in LA on Monday. And I was like, yeah. and then, then I had to be in out. Then I went right to LA. And how many episodes were you, or what season were you in for the listeners who Season aren't... two and three. It was season That's two a big and deal. three. It was, it was, you know, and it was, it was, uh, it was a cool reason to get to go out and be in LA. It was, it was really, it was really fun. And then when I got there, I was like, oh shit, I don't know if I know how to act. So I kept working with the acting coach on that, but yeah, that it was really, it was fun. It was a surreal experience. Feels like a long time ago now, but. Did you feel like it opened up other door doors for acting? Cause it's a pretty good show. I mean, they won Emmys for this show. Let me tell you. <laughs> So Emma isms guys, Emma isms. So here's the thing with when you're on a show, unless you're like become a big draw from it or anything like that. When you're on a show, I've noticed what people care about in entertainment is not when you do the thing. It's before you do the thing. It's the tension before. Cause everyone in entertainment is like, Oh, how's this going to go over with other people? So I can get in here. So when they're up here, I, they get, I get to be like, Oh, I was a part of that too. So before Right before the show aired, when I got cast in it, oh, I'm going on so many fucking meetings, which by the way, you know, they're getting paid to like sit there and be entertained for an hour while I come in and then, then we, you know, we do that whole like spiel of like this whole, it's this whole like song and dance of a general meeting and it is what it is. I'm going on so at general meetings with every casting person. It was a good, a good experience. But so I'm going on all these general meetings because it was like so crazy. X. So. I got the amount of meetings I got from being a crazy ex-girlfriend. I'd say I went from a, like, you know, a good amount of meetings to like just every day I'm going on tons of meetings with casting people and I'm getting meeting people in development. And I just met a lot and I did like, you know, I like meeting people. So I went on tons and tons of general meetings and I was auditioning a lot. I mean, I was auditioning, I was auditioning a good amount before that too. I had a really great acting agent. So he was getting me in for like, I was auditioning tons, 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 tons. So I would say, did it open up other acting doors? Maybe. And then I didn't end up walking through them, you know, cause I didn't get cast in anything from an audition since then. I got, I got a couple callbacks that that's like when you're like, get close to it pilot season, but I didn't get cast in anything from it, but I did it definitely, it definitely helped me meet a lot of casting people. And I guess it helped say, okay, I've been on, oh, it helped me get SAG. I got, I became a uh, in SAG because, no, I was in SAG before that, but it helped me like stay in SAG and get the, you know, do all the whole SAG rigmarole, which is the actor's union. But it's like what you said, it's because you might get now a callback, right? And upon a popular show that has longevity, 
And then right. it's going to, it's going to be like, Oh, all those auditions were for something. I didn't just That's come overnight. Say, yeah. That's what, like what we spoke about. Like, it's not right. like it's going to be, it's like, Oh, she's done stand up. She was on my crazy ex-girlfriend. Sure. She does. She's been on a million auditions. She's been in the industry. So it's Ooh, not like, so many auditions. Woo! I mean, that's this a full-time job, girl. girl Man, that, you're telling me. That, this I mean, past I year. can do, I can only do two a month because I am so like, Good and I, you know, I already suffer from mental health. So it, it does catch Preach. I mean, oh, yeah, it does catch up to you. Like, I don't. Oh, the amount, those amount of auditions, because this is the other thing. So since I had that, mm -hmm. the, the person steering the ship of my career was this phenomenal acting agent. This man is so good. He does something in entertainment where you're like, he underpromises and overdelivers. I mean, the man is good, but he was, he was, he was steering the ship. So acting auditions was basically like I wasn't doing stand up stuff. I, you know, it was like really focused on because he was such he was such a strong lead. Like if it was a movie, he was the star of kind of leading the operation because that's what he oversaw. So I was going on so many auditions and then I was kind of like, I hate my life. Like I was doing two to four a week, two to wow. five a week, working like so hard on it. And then that cuts into like all other types of time. You're like, you know, hemorrhaging money on acting coaches and transportation. And so I was really like glad when Corona happened, not because of Corona happened, but the silver lining of it was, you know, we get a chance to reflect on stuff. And I was like, I want to figure out, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to make stand up be leading the ship again. And I switched my representation situation got switched around. So I'm not with that acting agent anymore, but man, that guy is good. And I, I want to, I want to start, you know, you have to really trust yourself to be like, no, I'm not going to go on that audition. It doesn't, I shouldn't be, you know, me going on an audition to play a Korean little person isn't necessarily the best fit, you know, like it's, I mean, you, you get something out of every, you get something out of everything you are open to getting something out of. And I just know that I was like running myself ragged with that. In terms of rejection, because we all know, like a lot of my friends are like, ah, oh, I could do what you guys do. And it's, <laughs> a lot of people say that, right? Because they right. just, it's ignorance. No one knows what it takes. Like you said, sure. money, money is a big factor. Getting yeah. someone to believe in you, actually doing the craft, actually showing up, right. getting rejected is part of it. How yes. do you deal with rejection, knowing that you put your all, like you said, and then you have to separate yourself and say, okay, I didn't get it. I, I don't know. I admire you. I look up to you because I think you're such a good person and the way you, I hope to handle things as graceful as you. I don't always, because I, I mean, like I Colombian, don't, it's a, it depends. You know? Like, you know, I, the, the thing with it too, is I'll try to, you know, if I did as well as I could for something, then I usually feel much better. I feel if I get rejected from something that I tried so, 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 so hard for, I'll be like, okay, I tried, I put in every amount that I could put in to that. So I didn't get it, but I did what I could at the time to get it. I feel good about that. Now, when I was doing so, say I'm doing, was doing like three auditions a day, I would be frazzled, you know, and I wouldn't feel good about if, and then say I, it kind of depends why I think I got rejected, but the truth is you never know why you got rejected. And that's why I love watching someone like, like, um, see, to me, I love, I've always, like, I like Akash Singh so much. Have you seen him before? Love him. I think he's so funny. So I've known him for so years. And so talented. Yeah, he's great. He's great. 
I've known him for years. So seeing him and he's been around for oh such a long fucking time. And I remember being like, there's a glitch in the matrix. He should be getting way more shit. He's so charismatic. He's got a good look. You know, I remember I was headlining in Philly and he was in Philly with his girlfriend. He was like, can I come to a spot? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was like, it literally felt like a glitch in the matrix. I was like, yeah, but something, something's not like clicking in. So it's nice when then you see that click in and come to fruition and it's like, oh, it was through, you know, him taking control of his content, him putting stuff out there, him not waiting for someone to give him the okay, because sometimes the industry will pick someone, but if the person they don't bet on doesn't pop off, they're going to go on to the next younger version, the, the next least threatening version, the next whatever the fuck, but if you build it up yourself, they'll come around to you because they want those dollars, you know? And Akash and then Andrew Schultz is who he's doing everything with. Love him too, yeah. Yeah. Talk about, let's talk about um, obstacles because mm -hmm. not everything was probably easy for you even though you, you know, because you worked really hard. Have you ever endured an obstacle that, that was tough and challenging to overcome and how did you overcome it? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting to look at obstacles as like specific instances because like when I think of an obstacle as a specific instance, it's like, hey, okay, I'm trying to get to this place and there's literally a roadblock and then I move around that. So that's like the specific instance of an obstacle. I would say the bigger, you know, I'd say to speak to it right now, just to get the obstacle ball rolling, I would say I'd have had a hard time focusing and following through with certain things where I'll get like spread really thin because I'll be like, okay, I, you never know what's going to pop off. And I'd get real, spread really thin and then I wouldn't be advancing in any one thing necessarily because I would be not figuring out what I should be trying to like really like put the time into. So I would say that getting distracted, not saying no, not putting myself first and being like, no, this is, listen to your, listen to your gut. And, and then that will help you like that. Definitely not listening to my gut and being like, oh, I don't know if I should, and then still doing it anyway. Now As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
you can't always, it is tough because you need to be around people that you trust. So then like, I might say, oh, I shouldn't do that. And then they say, yes. Like in the instance of crazy X, I was like, no, I, you know, no, I, I can't, you know, something, something. And then someone being like, no, do this. That's why it's important to be around people that you trust to then be like, okay, I'll defer to you if you think that I should, should do that. I'm trying to think of like a specific, oh, okay, I got one. Okay, so also there's this thing with obstacles, it's perceived obstacles. Cause then when you move right. past it, you're like, it's so. Not an obstacle anymore, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the obstacle, one thing, this is a good like way I think to look at obstacles is you wanna be scaling your obstacles. So if one year your obstacle's like, man, I wanna, I want a nicer kitchen in my house. And then the next year you're like, oh, I got this nice kitchen, but I need nicer, I need a nicer cookware to go with it. Next year you got the nicer cookware, but you're like, yeah, I got that and I got that, but now I need to redo the bathroom. As long as the problems aren't going backwards, I think that's a good sign. So I was always like, I want to be scaling whatever the problems are. So I had this hurdle, but it sounds so stupid to say now because I was being really impatient. So I was like, nothing's nothing's stupid ever. I don't believe anything's stupid. (laughs) So you haven't seen me do math yet, but (laughs) (laughs) sister from another mister. Yeah. My math is you would think I really was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Amen. I Amen. hate. And my dad's a math professor at a college. Oh God, that must have been. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Is that tough? He's like a math genius. No, he would always. He would. He was very sweet. He would kind of do my homework. Oh. I See, mean, that's by a good kind parent. Of- See, I believe that's a good parent when they don't let you fail, because I don't believe in. My mom always believed in learning the hard way, even though that helped me, I guess. But mm. it's not always good. I don't believe in I think there's a middle ground because like, I mean, he thought he was tutoring me to give him, you know, he thought he was tutoring me and I manipulated the situation and be like, yeah, I understand when I didn't and stuff. But then I would, I would like fail the test. Fail. Yeah, me too. I fail, but my dad would be like, oh, well, she has anxiety. She needs, she's dyslexic. So she needs to take the test in another room. He wasn't, he wasn't having that moment of, no, I'm doing her homework and she's pretending she doesn't actually get it. You know, he was, so he definitely had my back. He didn't, I don't think he realized I had no fuck it. Maybe he did. Maybe he knew the entire time. I had no, couldn't do math. No math. Um, Sorry. So now back to the obstacle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Back to obstacles. Thank you. So I, um, there's this festival called just for laughs. And I was like, I got to get in just for laughs. So I auditioned one year. I don't know if it was my first time auditioning. I think it was like my first time auditioning. And I got a call back, but I didn't get it or something like that. And I was like, what? Or no, the first time, the first year I wanted to audition, I didn't get an audition. So the second year I got the audition, but I didn't get it. And I remember really, I really thought I should. And, and then then that was right before I ended up taking that year long break. So then I come back, I'm doing the colleges audition. I either got it or didn't get it. I think I got it then that year. I, I did the audition when I remember being like, Oh, that went great. And then the second one that went great. So I'm like, I got into just for laughs. That's what I wanted. That's what I had been gunning for. So then I get the just for laughs and I didn't, I didn't actually have enough experience to handle the pressure of the situation. So I get there. I like took a red eye in. That was stupid. I didn't set myself up for success. 
And then my show kind of, my show went okay. I spent so much time trying to get into this festival. I didn't think about how I would actually do at the festival. And then I remember being like, my career is over. I didn't get anything from Just for Laughs. And then now that I've gone back a bunch of times, not in the new faces section, just back to perform there, it's like, oh, everyone has, feels that way about their new faces set. And Chelsea Handler actually bombed it and look at her. And so I just didn't, at the time, I didn't, what I would build everything up into this momentous thing that was symbolism for everything else, but nothing nothing is symbolism for everything else anything could be something but nothing's like everything so you can't give everything that much power anything any one thing that much power that's really good advice i love that so let's talk about podcasting too because now the podcasts podcasts have become popular sure and people are having podcast events at comedy clubs so we'll talk about like like we're going to touch base and go back to what you had mentioned like someone can have a very big name and draw in a crowd and sure and do stand up because they're drawing in the crowd and it's about money and then there's people that are just actually really really funny and understand the craft so i right. want to get your opinion about because you do both you had you have you have two podcasts out now you had three yeah um you have emma's bunker which i love and thank you, thank you. um inside the closet with mateo who's hilarious yeah. too so let's talk about um, how, you know, what, how did these podcasts transpire and talk just about, you know, how hard it is. It's not easy to have a podcast. People think it's like, Ooh, it's really easy. Like the, 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 the commercials are like, make a podcast. It's free. It's easy. Right. Meanwhile, you got to edit, you got to spend right. money. And I'm like, shit, this shit ain't easy. Why did you do false advertisement? Right. Totally. So talk to us about like the inspiration about why you decided like I, because to me, I was like, oh, you. I never thought like you having your own podcast now is very different. You used to co-host with other people. It is wow. very co-hosting is very, very, very. I mean, yeah, co-hosting and hosting is very different for sure. So tell us like a little bit about what you know. Why did you get into the podcast world? Like, why did you feel the need? I always loved doing like radio, like love, 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 and I like I love that medium. I'd say I, I, I mean, I love it, and there's this 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 network called this Keith and the girl that's like behind a paywall. And they asked Mateo and I, they're like, would you guys want to come down and do a one month trial podcast? See how you like it. So we did it. We had so much fun, but it was kind of logistically. We were like, okay, we're not sure we can do it where we're going to Queens and needing to work on this certain schedule. So we were like, all right, we're going to try to, we're going to try to start our own thing. And a year later, we found this podcast network that was based in the East village. So we started recording there. And that was, we weren't doing the editing ourselves. The only thing we were doing was just going in and recording. And that was just like, really, that was fun. That was like, I feel like that was maybe like three or four years ago. I don't know. I feel like now is where you, a while ago. So I feel like now is when you see like everybody's podcast, like that's like the thing. Yeah. So it was a little easier to go into it then because it wasn't like, we were just doing it for, it was very innocent. Like it was like, this is fun. We like talking to each other. Let's, let's just kind of like share that. And we had the name, we were trying to think of a name and then, and I'm so bad at coming up with names. And I actually came up with that name wow. and I, we were both like, what? Cause I suck at coming up with names. And when I said that Mateo was like, wait, that's like a good name. Like, oh my God. Was I there a reason it. for inside, like why inside the closet or was there like a, a, yeah, story behind that. Yeah, so it was because I used to always be like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is like too gay, or I want to make sure not to get stuck doing that, or I want to. And he was like, no, 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 I'm not looking at it like that at all. This is this is what I want to talk about. And then 
we were both, I was like, yeah, what if I kind of threw caution to the wind and we were like, what do two gay people talk about when no one else is around? So it was kind of like, come, come behind the closet wall and see what, now we can only speak for ourselves because sometimes people that listen would be like, I can't believe this is what, and I'm like, no, no, we just, we're, we can only represent ourselves here. Yeah. But that's where it came from. Just being like, this is what we would talk about if we were just talking to each other basically. And it's very, very, very conversational. Now, did it ever affect your friendship? Because, like, I know I've done podcasts co-hosting with friends, and mm-hmm. I loved it. But I feel like because I'm a, a ready, I suffer from mental health, and I'm a, a, a bit of a neurotic person. I don't you take say, meds? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. What kind of meds? I'm on, kind of meds? I'm on Cymbalta right now. Never I'm heard of it. it. Oh, it's like a new, tr- it's like a new thing. I was on Lexapro. That didn't really yep. work for me. Because the, thing, the problem with me is, like, I, I have... OCD with like situations and people. So if someone as does Rachel and crazy ex-girlfriend, right? Yes. That's why I I relate to her. And I don't like to say to, I mean, I guess a lot of Jews go through that. So we make a joke, like you're, I'm an erotic Jew, like neurotic Jew, which is tough. That's tough. Cause it's like, no, I actually have a mental health. I remember this comedian Yamanika was saying, she was like, I, I, yeah. And she was like, you know, when I was trying to get diagnosed with, I think she was saying she wanted to explore if she was bipolar or uh, d- depressed or she's like people are like no you're just like an angry black woman she's like no I, I think I have like a mental I mean I'm sure they wouldn't say that but they would code it in a way but she was like I no I I want to get diagnosed with like I have mental health stuff going on yeah so and like something now it's, yeah now it's more like okay to talk about so I'm like right open. but you know did you like did you ever feel like it affected your friendship with Mateo doing a yeah. podcast sure anybody so, you, you've done podcasts with other people yes yes you know so with Mateo <laughs> what makes it what was very compatible with that is I would say we would put, we were good at compartmentalizing business stuff and friendship stuff. So if there was something that, you know, he is like, I mean, he's a hustler, he's a workhorse. So we never had anything like if it was like, okay, we need to get this done. Both of us right away. Boom. It's done. Someone needs this bio written. Boom. It's done. Someone needs this done. We it's both like, it's like, I can't be on it fast enough. He can't be on it fast enough and it's done the times where it would be we'd have like things where like there was a couple times where like we would be doing a show and they would only have one of our pictures and we would both be kind and I remember one of the times that really bothered me like it was like we were doing something and it was like his picture and then in my mind he didn't notice and then that same week I was out of town and he did an episode and he was he like the write-up was like the gang's all here and I was like hey the gang's not all there and he was like oh my god Emma like I'm so sorry like I'll change that right away and then he was like I'm mortified I can't believe I didn't pick up on that and then when I was like yeah and and they just have your picture on the thing and he was like why didn't you point that out like I didn't realize that like we're gonna and he was like called them up he's like you need to change it like he was like on it and I and then he was like you need to say right away and I was like well I felt stupid saying and so then now I'll like something bothers me I say it right away something bothers him he says it right away so that's what's allowed the friendship to you know whatever whatever happens with the podcast our friendship is separate from that too yeah it seems like equal rights yeah he respects yeah. you as equally as he respects himself He's right oh well said totally you and then that, I, right yeah that's I mean that's like extremely important but but it's tough and I mean there's definitely like personality types that are more complimentary for that than, you know, I've had other situations where I would say, if anything, me and the person were more like similar. So then we weren't, for me, I was putting the friendship. If you put the friendship way before the business operation, then, you know, you have to, 
you can't, you also can't think that they're totally isolated because it's like one will start to affect the other. It's kind of like if you live with a friend, like I had a friend in college and we lived together. And I remember like us living together because we didn't, if we wouldn't address stuff, of course it would also affect the friendship. So you need to, you can't think that things are totally like compartmentalized too. Totally. And then you started Emma's Bunker. Why yeah. did you feel the need to, yeah. Why, did you want to just have something of your own space? No, not really, actually. So I started it. It was, I was in LA and I was just co-hosting, just doing Inside the Closet at that point. And I was definitely really like, I mean, I was just, I missed doing the other one a lot and, and, and that vibe, the energy that was created there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see about trying to get another one started. And there was a girl I was talking to, Becky Robinson and I were talking about starting a podcast. She's a really funny comic in LA. She does really great characters. So we were talking about doing something, brainstorming, and then Corona hit. So that got shelved. And then, and then I was kind of like, all right, well, you know, I want to try doing, I'm going to try doing my own thing and start working that muscle of interviewing people and see what emerges there. And then that's, that's been a process of, you know, learn, getting the equipment and figuring, you know, I, I have a great editor, Chris, but then also learning editing on my own and putting that together. And it, it is a different thing, but I like it. I've, I've really like like researching people and I like, I like that. And it makes me appreciate being a guest on someone's show more too. Yeah, totally. I think it's important to have your own platform, no matter what sure. like you said, like not relying on other people to come to you. I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned. And I hope my, our listeners learned that you can't always wait to things come to you. Like I remember with Princesses right. of Long Island, I felt like I blamed the world for my failure. I blamed the world for why I, the show never came back and that I couldn't get other opportunities. But really the truth was I needed to create things for myself in order to get those opportunities. I think that's right. important that you're sharing that for people to know that you didn't just get here because you got a spoon fed to you on a silver platter. You got right. here with really hard work, certain obstacles. I mean, being a woman alone, I mean, do you feel like you ever had discrimination being a woman in the industry? I think that they, gay? yeah, I think, I mean, definitely they'll, they'll, you'll see that people will have like a certain amount of spots mm. for things. Does that affect where, you? Say it again. Does that offend you? Do you take it personally? Yeah. I mean, it's, t it makes it, once you pop off, then it's like, you know, there really is room for everybody, but in the beginning you'll be like, oh, if I get this, this other person's not going to get this. Or if that person's on that, then I fucking, I didn't get that. Or like, I'll see something I auditioned for and I'm like, oh, they went with them. So they weren't going to have both of us. So there definitely is. Now there's something to be said about wanting different points of view, but if you and the person are totally different, but the only thing you have in common is the one box of, okay, we're both happen to be gay. Then that's where it's like, and that happens with in anything that you could represent where they'll be like, well, we already have a black guy. And it's like, well, that black guy is totally different from this black guy. Like there's right. no, the only thread there is that one thing. It's like so, taking the stereotype and fulfilling that instead right. of like the right the person where it's the like, actual perspective. We have other two Jewish girls already yeah. running Hollywood. It's like okay, but like my Jewish story is different, right? Right. Like it's I like, come from a different class background. I've got they might have a different sexuality. It's like there's could be so I'm a Sagittarius. They drink too much tequila. Like whatever. There's so many different things that could be at play. Totally. Uh, Emma's bunker. Where did that name come from? I mean, I hate you're coming up. Girl, you're pretty good at coming up with I names. I fucking hate coming up with names. No, I hate it too. I hate it. That Chanel in the City is a good name. You know, but it took years. It okay. first was single in the city, and then it came, 
it, it like, you know what I mean? And then other people copied it anyway. Like, how do you be, that's the, the, the hardest trick is the unique. Right. Yeah. It's coming up. I don't remember exactly how I came up with the name. Like it was, it's cute, but it doesn't give any indicator of what it's about if someone doesn't know me. So if someone doesn't know me, a bunker doesn't sound that friendly. Like I'm buddies with Ashley Gavin and she had, she hosts this podcast. It's called We're Having Gay Sex. (laughs) And I was like, damn, that's a good name. You know what I'm saying? Right. But that's very specific to also like, you know what it's about. It's intriguing. Boom, boom, boom. But I like the generalization. See, Chanel in the City, a lot of people would say, well, I don't understand what it's about because there's no sure. However, when you keep it general, I think that's the beauty of it because you can then True. do anything and cover anything. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And it also, you know, I knew if I got too hung up on the name, I wouldn't start. And I definitely feel, I felt myself get better at it since I've started. And that's like the best feeling when you're like, okay, this is better than at least it was a sh- pretty short time ago. So then that, that feels empowering. Do you feel like your comedy on your podcast is different than on stage? Good question. I think it is a little bit different. I mean, I would like my comedy on stage to just be like how I am on the podcast because the podcast is where you can be your most, you know, you're not thinking about word economy in the same way. Like you just have more space to say what you want to say. Also on stage, a lot of times you're pretending something is the first time you've ever said it. I'll switch shows up. So if someone comes to show, it's like, I always change up the order probably more than I should, or I'll add something like it is always different, but a podcast is like always different. You know what I mean? So yeah. that I, that I love. Yeah. Cause you're, I mean, you're really funny on stage, but you're also really funny on podcasts because you appreciate are your authentic that. self, you know, I feel more comfortable in like, if someone's like, Oh, we're going to, um, we're going to judge you based on a standup set. I'll be like, fuck, how long is the set? <laughs> You know, but if it was come judge a podcast, I'd be like, come on down. Like, please judge your way. Like, I, you know, I got that. Totally. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up in a couple. We have some sure. questions from the listeners. Anything. Um, so one of our listeners, I'm just like, gonna go. Are you wearing a scarf right now? I am. Look, because you're going to die. Because this dress is like. Oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. So I was got like, you, got oh, you. Me- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know everyone's like, you look like you're crazy. It's summer. Um, Okay. So here we go. Okay. So Samantha from Charlotte. Hi, Samantha. Is at six. First, she says, Emma, I've been a fan of yours from the beginning. I absolutely adore you. You you. totally inspired me to become a better person during quarantine. Mm. Uh, with all the politics and racism and everything going on in the world right now, how, I, sorry, going on right now, period. I've wanted to become a stand-up comic forever. I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to do so. However, I'm really scared of the boundaries that I can push on stage. A lot of comics that I look up to, you know, push the boundary with racism, bullying, things that are, you know, that we really can't feel comfortable talking about. What's your advice on pushing the boundaries when it comes to comedy? Sorry, it's a little run on. So the rule is you always want to be punching up, which means you want to be going for someone who is in a position of power above you. And that if you're starting out, I mean, if you are, you have to be really skilled to quote unquote, punch down like you have to be so fucking talented to then make that there to be humor that is worth whatever you're punching down about 
that I would, that is like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that as a person and I wouldn't recommend that as a comedian. Also, it's like when people are like, oh, I'm so worried. I can't say something. I don't know. That's always real. That is always like interesting to me. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's like when someone's like, oh, da, da, da. When they get drunk, they become, you know, they, they want to kill animals or, okay. I haven't actually heard anyone say that, but like someone's when they get drunk, they're a total fucking asshole. And it's like, okay. I don't know, then maybe they just shouldn't drink, but it's like, it shouldn't, like, I would trust yourself. I mean, it's, it makes me almost suspicious. I'm like, well, what are you, what are you getting in, wanting to say, you know? Right. But I would say the rule is, okay, and also think about this. If you stick to things that are personal, then you're speaking, like, from your life. So that is, that's, you have 100% jurisdiction about stuff that affects you and is from your life. So if someone find like if I I can talk about okay, dyslexic, I was an overweight kid, blah blah blah. And even with the overweight stuff, since I'm not overweight now, I do have to have a sensitivity there that if I've been making fun of myself, I want to do it in a way that is in no way offensive. It has to be strictly personal to me and what I went through when I was living that. Because I would never want it to be hurtful to someone. You know, or I I had I remember I said the R word, I used to say it in a joke, like a lot. And then where I stopped, I was at the Village Underground. I remember at a college, kids got upset. I'm like, oh, it's fucking PC college kids. And then I did it to Village Underground and the audience, like it was, the show was going great. And then I said the R word and it just, the energy shifted. It felt like they wanted to fight me. And when I left, I remember I was like, that's how I say the joke. Like, blah, blah. I'm quoting someone else when I say it. And my girlfriend at the time was like, yeah, but you can say it without that. And then I, I was like, yeah, she's right. And then I was like, okay, I'd rather have people push me to not say the R word than for people to co-sign it. Like, and then I remember someone wrote, they're like, you know, you're better than that. Don't, don't do that. And I was like, okay, you're right. So I guess, you know, like, but sometimes people are just ridiculous. Like I remember I was in San Francisco talking about being dyslexic and People are like, oh, and someone after show you, you can't talk about that. And no, I guess I can. Yeah, I am dyslexic. Yes, I can. You know, or like, and then you judge accordingly. So it's like, say I was like, dyslexic people are superior. Yeah, that might be problematic, but I that that is in the jurisdiction of my personal experience that I can speak to. So I recommend sticking to that. And then just if you're gonna make fun of something or someone that is not you try to make, you know, be self-aware enough to know what is, what would be in a position where they politically are above you. And that's a really, that's really, get good. that's a really good advice. Cause even before Corona, when I did at Stand Up New York, I did some jokes about being a Jew. Right. And that was a little personal to me because of the show. I felt like I was like a walking offender regardless, even though it was my, I'm the Jewish right. person and I can do it. But the Jewish community gets also really offended easily. Right. They didn't laugh, but then when I said, it's okay, you can laugh, I'm giving you permission, right. I'm a Jew, that's the laugh. That it was almost like a backhanded joke, like that ended up being in my favor rather than the actual funny Jewish joke. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's, was again, it Jewish people in the crowd or was it not Jewish people? It was non-Jewish people. So right, they felt like right, they right. couldn't laugh. Right. And then right. I gave them that permission. So it's like, right. but I, I improv that. That was not right. part of my set. The, the joke was in itself was hilarious if you right. say it out loud, but they didn't feel like they could. So that now way, what about, advice. what if you were somewhere else and then they laugh, but they were like, so you, I don't know what right. the joke is, but, and then they're like, yeah. <laughs> so then you'd be hurt. like, then I'd be like, right. Like you can never win. That's the whole point. It's like, you, you right. gotta actually go for it, I think. And then apologize right. later. Right. I mean. I, I remember there's there's things where I'll make fun of, um, you know, being androgynous or people that are more androgynous than me or whatever it is. And there's times where I've been places, specifically Vegas, where I'm like, oh, they are like laughing like me. Like, I just feel it in my heart where I'm like, ooh, yeah. like you are like, yeah, we like you because you're making fun of people like you. So then, and I, I know that I'm like, you know, I'm, I know. And I remember saying that, asking some other comedians, and they were like, no, nah, no, nah, you're all in your head. And then there was another guy, an Arab guy, comic I was there with once, and I was like, you know what I'm saying at that? And he goes, I know exactly what you're saying, and they're doing it to me too. And I was like, I know, that's why I brought it up to you. But it was like, there's just a feeling you feel when they're with you in a way where it's like, but let's fucking fuck other people like you. And I think you're right too. Also, it's like, when you use your experience and you're not that fake, meaning when a comic does it in the comedy world, when I say it's like an intimate world, they're doing it on stage, but they're not getting so, so like publicity, like what's happened with a lot of reality stars or comics that have had bad publicity. Sure. When you're out there, it's easier, you're right, to criticize someone. But if you're, right. not, if you're doing it for the craft and the art, you're right, you shouldn't really, you should be sensitive, but you shouldn't also take it to the next level because then you're never going to create. You're never going to. Right. And don't be, because some of the, I mean, the things that people are getting in trouble for are cruel. There's very, I can't even think of one where I'm like, ah, oh, nah, that was cool. What I mean, you think about all of it. I, the listeners, because a lot of questions are like, what is Emma Woman? And I know we don't get into a lot of like pop culture politics. Because the next question I was going to ask you about your reality show on Instagram, because I saw some. Oh, yeah, Turdy Works. Series. Yeah. No, it's interesting too, because we filmed that like, what? Uh, I mean, they started filming, I think, in like September, October, November. I came into it December, January. Now, is that and a real reality show or is it a reality a, show based on scripted series? 100% this is for real happening. Wow. It looks so good. It's really good. <laughs> the I production saw- company that did it is it's Scout Productions. They do Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, too. So it's like a big production company. And um, uh, TBS brought, bought True. They were like really behind it. Um, it's for real. This woman, Mary, she had a viral video. It went viral. This woman just videotaped her at a craft fair selling her, she sells moose poop and put it online, gets a bunch of millions of views. 
Daniel Tosh has her on the show. She's on the show. There's like a bidding war for her to have a reality show. And then she got this, because I was like, how did this woman in a town of 500 people, did she pitch you guys? And they were like, no, 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 no. Like, this is 100% them going down. The showrunner on it is this really skilled, very culturally sensitive, culturally sensitive domain where he's not trying to, you know, and if someone comes in and they're trying to drum up drama in an obvious way, that's not going to work in Maine because people in Maine aren't, don't want to be on TV that much. Like when, mm-hmm. when the biggest catch was on, I remember someone told me in a fishing town, a couple over, they were like, they were like, someone from Al Roker's company was down at the docks. And I guess Al Roker had a production company. This could be to- totally, that could be not accurate, but this is how they're relaying it. Like they're down at the docks trying to get, you know, a reality show about fishermen. We said, you know, maybe. And then they were trying to drum up drama for the plot line. And then they got like run out of town. So it's like you, especially in Maine, like they're not, there's not a lot of people that are like dying for a reality show. So they're not as likely to be like, yeah, yeah, I'll go on with whatever you think. So that particular show was very, that's what's going on in that neck of the woods. But it was shot before all of this happened. So it's a very, it's a slice of life that's different because that's not most people's reality living in a town of 500 people selling moose poop. I think it's only her reality. But now when like watching it, I'm like, man, you know, just different, different time. You, where can you find that show now? If we want to be true TV on true Tuesday TV. nights, on Tuesday night. That's a, I mean, Emma, congratulations. I mean, you've Thank done, you. done everything now in your wheelhouse. Now you just got to ha- come out with either a song or a rap song. Yeah. For me, I come up with a rap. I'm working. If you want to do a duo. Sure. If you want to spit some raps. but um, Oh, God. Uh, oh, God, right. You also did a, a special, I'll, I'll, I'm going to touch base on this, um, on Netflix, a comedy special. Yeah, yeah 15 minutes, yeah. 15 how, how was that experience? And obviously, do you plan on having your own Netflix special one day. I mean, I plan on it. Now the ball's in their court. You know what I'm saying? Cool. I got a new Netflix, man. You better. I'm telling I you, I'm advocating it. right now. Let me tell I you what a, makes me really mad. Yeah. Seeing other comics on there that aren't as funny as you. I'm sorry. I, it's not shade. And I think you're one of the funniest, talented people in the world. You should be on there having a full hour. But, you know, I'm well, no here's funny. a good lesson for people. Okay. Right. So there were certain people that where I was like, I was like, well, they're doing a fit, an hour and I didn't. And someone was like, Emma, you haven't submitted an hour either. So like, you're bitching about that, but you haven't submitted an hour. And I was like, oh. So like, now I'm like, okay, before I start being like, what the fuck? It's like, I wasn't working on an hour. I was performing my 45 minutes and I was busting my ass doing acting auditions. That's where I had, that's what I was focusing on. After the 15 minutes, I was taking acting classes and doing acting auditions and acting and acting and acting and acting. So I was working on my standup, but I was definitely working on my acting more than the standup. And that was reflected in, what ended up coming out of that time, which was a reality show about moose poop. So, you know, I need to go back and recalculate things a little bit, but even though that's a great experience for sure. But, um, the, uh, the, the 15 minutes was that, that was really awesome. Like I remember, I think it was like, right, right after I got crazy X, they were like, you know, submit a fifth, submit a tape. I remember Mateo had already gotten an offer to do it. He had submitted, got an offer. He's like, you should, you should enter. And I was, I couldn't get a tape because I was in LA and I was filming and I didn't, I was like, I don't know where I'm going to get a 15 minutes set. I went to San Francisco. I flew to San Francisco to do like a free show so I could get a 15 minute tape. The show was great, but someone nudged the camera. So all you saw was a pole the whole time I was on stage. Literally they nudged it so 
Like I set my camera up. This guy sits down. I didn't know this till I went to watch it. Like I was like, I got it. And then I go to watch it. You see him nudge the camera and he goes, oops. And then he tries to move it back, but he moves it. So literally all you see is this, the one pole in the audience. There's a very thin pole. It's just, he moves it. He, oh, whoops. Puts it. All you see is a pole. I go, no. How the fuck? And you can see my arms at certain points around the pole. Right. Like, like, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Ooh. I mean, it was just like, I was like, where was this fucking pole? And it was like some pole propping up some fucking thing. This very thin pole. And I was like, <laughs> but then, so then I remember that um, same agent tova who's now a manager at a company she when she was working with me as an agent she was like wait a minute i was at that this festival and i think they recorded it and i'm like i was like oh. and so she was like i'll get that tape so then we got the tape and that tape we didn't know they were taping they had a multi-camera shoot happening oh it was this festival i recommend it it's in portland called the all jn comedy festival portland is one of the best cities ever for comedy mm. and the people that run this festival fucking love stand up and you can tell every every step of the way because they treat the comedians so well they were filming it and it was like great tape and then so i got it i got that tape and then we taped it in atlanta it was really fun that's amazing okay i know you have yeah. to, to go i just wanted we have three more questions is that cool we can anything yeah okay um relationships dating mm -hmm. you're in a good relationship right now and a healthy one with your yeah. girlfriend yeah. How do you balance though being committed in the relationships a full time job and then our industry is a full time job? Does, does yeah. she support it? Does it ever get in the way? Because I've been broken up with for a certain because of this industry, like literally. Yeah. So how does that work with you guys? It's really hard. I mean, so she, my girlfriend now is in the industry, so she's a makeup oh. artist. But wow, we're at very cool. different points in our career. Like she is. She was like. She, it's so interesting because she's worked with like big celebrities and she's so like cool like she's just like like there's this there's this guy he she works with sometimes she's like his hairstylist and he's like a billionaire and he's not in entertainment but he's a billionaire so he is like a well-known guy because he invented this thing and he'll date really famous actresses and there was this one very famous actress and uh He's like, I hate to tell you this, but she asked that when you come over to not take, ask to take a picture with her. And she was like, oh, get the fuck out. He's like, I'm sorry. She makes me say that to everyone. She was like, you know, no, like I know how to act. Like she's just, she's cool. She worked, she's worked with, um, man, she's worked with all kinds of people like Snoop Dogg, wow. LeBron James, wow. uh, like ton, all tons of models. Um, she used to work with Jenna Jameson, Iggy Azalea. She was with her for like years. Wow. That's really dope. Yeah, it's neat. So, so she, she gets your in. So she gets the industry too. She does now. It's tough. I I've been like really lucky that girlfriends have been like really supportive of entertainment stuff. It gets tough because they'll be like, like she'll always be like, you need to be more positive, and I'm like, well, right now I feel like I'm trying to figure out what's next, and she's like, well, you you know your self talk is negative, and I'm like, no, I like I vetch about things. That's how I process things. And, and I use that word. I'm not just using it because you're Jewish. No, I, I, love use it. It anyway. I love it. I love it. I wasn't trying to like throw know, it in there. I know. Like, I've heard you use I'm it. down. Yeah. But. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. Yeah. It's I say Kvetch. It's, it's I, That's how I process. So we definitely will have little 
little things with that. And she'll be like, you need that more positive attitude. It's definitely tough balancing or like not, you know, then just being gone at night is tough. Or then if I take a bunch of nights off, to, then I'd feel bad. But now because of Corona, you know, I'm around all the goddamn time. So. How, did, how did you guys meet? We met on the that, the dating app for people in entertainment that rhymes Raya? with Raya. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. going to start that. I, 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 someone recommended to me. So that's a good, that's good. It's a know. good dating app. It yeah. is good because you, then it, it's nice. It gives you like a talking point. Now it's. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's definitely something you cannot screen grab on that because I did. I was like, oh shit. I remember I saw Raven Simone on it. Now, that's not someone I would be, I'm sure she wouldn't be interested in me and blah, blah, blah. But I was still like, and, and likewise, back, back at her. But I, I uh, thought it was cool. She was, I mean, like, I'm a fan of her. Yeah, me too. Yeah, not for dating, but I was like, oh my God. So I screen grabbed that. And the second you screen grab, they go, you get the second click, click. Something pops up that literally will like block the picture because it's the, it's that, the second you go click, click, pop up. You cannot do that. You do that one more time. You get kicked off. And I was like, oh, wow. Damn. Yeah, and also you you do meet and listen. I'm not above anything, and I believe in equal rights and all that, and not hierarchy. But you do meet people that just share common ground with you, and I do believe when you share common ground, you're more likely to get along and have a better, sure. life, you know, than fight yes. all the time about totally. And someone who a makeup artist, okay, that's great. I dated someone else from Raya that was a, she was a manager for like fancy dancers. Um, uh ballerinas and choreographers so that's interesting you know there's all types of like entertainment law all types of stuff kind of entertainment adjacent i mean first yeah like there's a lot of yo like just women that are also yoga instructors that might want to be an instagram model too so and then guys that i are djs which interpret that however you want you know right. i don't i'm sure yeah. some of them are very legit but then you know yeah do you, what's the secret to a long, a successful longevity relationship? My longest relationship was like in college and it was two years. And one of those years was like on and off. Like I definitely have a really hard time in relationships. Oh, really? I, it's, oh yeah. I mean, I'm always in one, but right. like. <laughs> How long? Right. Uh, usually six months to a year. Max. I mean, it's like. I, I have a hard time. I mean, I don't know. I guess like the secret that what you're supposed to do is be like respectful and honest. And like, I even feel like I'm really flooring it in. When I'm, like, it's like, you'll be respectful, honest, fine. Okay. This is what I think that the key would be to me. I think it's having for me, cause okay. Everyone's got different love languages. I think it's about, and this would not work for most people. It's about mutual um, desire for things bigger than yourself. So I'm like, like I have this ex that I'm in touch with. She's a good friend of mine. Now, the Does relationship. That your girlfriend, by the way. No, she's she's super oh, cool. cool. Because also, I was like, look, if you saw me with this person, you would know. No, yeah. Nothing's going on, and she's in entertainment. We're in a secret relationship. She works in. She used to work in casting. Now she still does, but not with comedians at all. 
So she doesn't work with comedians, which is in casting. And it was enough where we like, didn't, we just kind of, but also I think she had a lot of, she was pretty like in the closet and it, but we've stayed friends because we like to talk about entertainment. So when you have a common passion that supersedes anything else, to me, it doesn't have to be about entertainment. It could be about, I fucking, I must, like I, I was in a long relationship uh, by long. I mean, my, I got to my six month to a year mark and she worked at a um, hedge fund. And I love hearing about the hedge fund, you know? And she'd be like, oh, this is boring. I'm like, no, what happened? And this guy's wife put him on a diet. What happened with that? You know, I just, there's just gotta be like, to me, it's like content there mixed with desire for more. Then to me that, you can't go wrong. I love that. that. That's not like, even for that person at the hedge fund, she's like, no, I want like a stable home life to be the center of what we're doing. Okay. So then we've got different priorities there. Right. Now it's about compromise. I feel like my girlfriend definitely, she understands entertainment so much. And then she's very level headed and she's got her own ambitions too. So that so, helps. Yeah. Your ambition yeah. should never don't take a page from my book and make your ambitions all about your relationship because that is a failure or a disaster. Um, a recipe for yeah. disaster, not a failure. That's tough though. I mean, I'm always like, no, it can be, you know, it's, we don't need to keep everything compartmentalized. I mean, but like we were talking about before we started recording, that doesn't mean you, I can't be like rude. I can't be on my phone all the time. Right. You know, right. And that's, I like that you take space. That's an important thing. I think we need to take space sometimes from our phones yeah. and be present in our relationship. Right. So Chanel in the city, we're going to wrap this up with this last question. Favorite place when you come to New York City or any city, LA, New Orleans, wherever you are, what's a place we should all check out that like has made you feel like at home or like that you just love going oh, wow. to? I love diners. Like I really love a diner. I would say if you're going to New York, if you're going to New York, I just, I love the comedy cellar. I love New York Comedy Club. I love, I just love those spaces. Like I love just walking around the West Village. In LA, oh, there's this place, my friend Genevieve, we always will go like hiking there. Mm -hmm. I don't know where the fuck it is though, <laughs> but it's nice. And I, that's just, uh, where is it? It's something up in the. Or just hiking know. in general, probably. Just hiking. So I love right that. There. Yeah. And then New Orleans, just walking around, walking around the city is really great. I mean, you know, I'm pretty like easily impressed with a place where like, I'll just kind of it's nice if I'm with someone else because then I'll go check something out. Okay, if you're ever in, if you're ever in um, Missouri, mm -hmm. go to the wherever they f they used to film this NPR show. What the hell is it called? Gerson Keller used to host it. Um, wow, I suck at this. <sighs> I never know. I'm never paying attention. That's the oh, problem. Missouri, Missouri, Missouri. At okay, least we, we didn't know it's Missouri. The like this guy. It's this NPR show. Damn, I forget the name of it, but yeah, I can't remember any of the names. If well, you go to the waterfront, there's a great taco truck. Ooh, taco trucks are always yeah. Good. Yeah. Did you did you ever have someone that you looked up to or someone now in, in comedy that you'd want to work with? Oh yeah, like so many of them. Totally. Like, you know, that I would want to work with. I would say like my dream yeah. list would be, you know, I want to find like a great writer, showrunner. I met Judd Apatow before and he put, he did put me in Crashing and I would like obviously like love to work with him. I love to do something with, 
I mean, I love Cedric the Entertainer, who we were talking about. I yeah. genuinely do like him. Hopefully, I, we will be. By the way, hopefully I think he's be. so funny. I wonder if I mean he. I think he's just. I think he's really, really funny. But like someone that I know that has been really nice, and we haven't ever worked together. We. I was writing something, a, a web thing, but it was right when he won an Emmy, and then he it was Louis Anderson. Right, he won an Emmy for Baskets, and then he's like, okay, I'm not going to do web stuff. I'm going to focus on these other things. I would love to actually get to do something with him. He's been just so nice and he's such a funny guy like off stage he's just so funny he's like he is on stage but he swears like his his comedy act is totally clean but off stage he'll like swear and you know he's just he's he's a shrewd very smart guy That's which you can tell from on stage too but it's different off stage he's he's just a funny i would love to do something with louis anderson he's really funny yeah he's and he's yeah. also i feel like underrated that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, when he, he was overrated, when, you know what I, you know what I mean. When he won the act, the Emmy for Baskets, I remember he was like, "Well, now no one can say I'm a bad actor." I remember he said that, and I was like, "No one thinks, no one would ever think you're a bad actor. You're such a good actor." And what do you think it takes to be successful in comedy or in the entertainment business? You know, if you'd asked me like three or four years ago, I would have been like, "You just have to be undeniable. Got to be undeniable, and then you won't be denied." I think that that's true now. I think that is true now. You should put that in a t-shirt, Emma Willman uh, merchandise. Do you do merch? No, but that's not my quote. That's a guy oh. named Barry Katz always <laughs> says that. That's a Barry Katz quote. He always says that. And that is true. That is true. But I think that, I think that there are, it's so, it really is hard because there is chance to it in a way. There really is. But you can also create the chance. The chance might, might not be right when you think it should be, but then you can create the chance too. So I think it's, you know, I think it's this, I think you have to have some kind of, you know, you need to, at its most simple sense, you want to offer a service. So your service is friendship, being funny, being attractive. And that doesn't necessarily mean in a sexual sense, just someone someone wants to spend time with or someone that people hate so much that they get something out of disliking you. I read somewhere that a huge percentage of the people that listen to Rush Limbaugh hate him. Him. But it's like, what's this fucking guy going to say next? You know, he's an entertainer. And I think, or, and I've also heard that probably about Howard Stern, where it's like, or who, you know, people that will get really famous where they're like, oh, this fucking, oh, you know, what are they going to do? I loved watching Snooki. I thought she was so endearing. Me too. So funny, so endearing. I was like, right away, I was like, I love her. But some people probably watch her because they were like, oh my God, she's a mess. So you got to have, but her service she's offering is just pure entertainment there. So you have to offer, and then some people will check off more than one box, you know, where that they offer something where you, they're, you feel like they're their friend and then you make, they make you think about things in a different way and you're attracted to them. So they can be all the whole kibbutz. But you need to at least offer one of, you need to at least, you have to offer some type of, service. I love that. Are you sure you weren't Jewish in another life? Maybe I was. Maybe you were. I, someone thought I was Jewish. I was in Las Vegas and I got a personal training session. This guy goes, wait, oh my God, what did he say? He goes, he goes, are you in the group? Or, you know, oh, what did he say? He said the the chosen group, the tribe. No, he didn't no. say that. That would that would have been like. No, I'm just kidding. That's not. That's like. I would be like. That's kind of fucked up. That would have been funny if he's. What did he? But it was something like. Are you in the tribe or something? And I was like, 
what? And he goes, oh, I didn't know if you were Jewish. And I was like, no, but thank you. I was really like, I, I was surprised that he thought I was because of my, like the blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah, you don't look, yeah, you don't. I don't look, look Jewish, but he, I said, what the hell? I, whatever I said, he thought that. And I, and then I remember the girl I dated who was the uh, manager for dancers. Yeah. She's very Jewish. And she was said, she was like, you know, you, you're so neurotic. So this is her saying it. She's Jewish. You can say it. She's like, you're so neurotic. You are like a Jewish guy, even though she was total, she was totally gay. So it was interesting. She was saying that, but she was like, and I like women that are like Jewish men. I don't fucking know. That's so, I love so, but I was like, oh, thanks. I guess, you know, it's amazing. Well, Emma, thank you so much for your time. Where yes, can anytime. everybody follow you? I use Instagram the most for social media, Instagram, then Facebook, and then Emma's bunker. Please find that wherever you can look at podcasts and definitely check it out. And I'll have my episode with you coming out soon. Yeah. What's up? It's Emma Wilman, and you are listening to my interview with Chanel Omari from Chanel in the city. Check it out. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.